The week before we got there, it had been raining, and then it was just perfect, like 70s and 80s. No storms. And then the week that we left, it just shot up to 100 degrees. Yeah. So we got really lucky in the Mojave. I think that's one of the benefits too of section hiking is that you can pick what season you want to be on what part of the trail. Yeah. So that's worked out pretty cool. Yeah. But they were just like two different worlds really. I mean. Yeah. It was dry and we had dirt all over everything in the desert. We were sweaty all the time. I can always start again. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and you've probably noticed that the format of this podcast has changed from its original heavier focus on gear to a greater emphasis on stories and experiences. We're focusing on the inspiration and the perspiration. And today's guests are The Boss and Pretzel, known off-trail as Max Crooks and Jay Groves. They are simultaneously section hiking both the Tahoe Rim Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail. With only three weeks off a year, they carve out about 200 to 300 miles at a time on the PCT and use long weekends for the Tahoe Rim. In this episode, we talk the section hiking life and why it's almost perfect. Their experience on the trail from a non-binary and transgender perspective, working through the challenges of altitude sickness while on trail, and earthquakes. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with the boss and pretzel. Thank you guys so much for uh, joining me on this yeah, uh, adventure that is a podcast. <laughs> Uh, this will be our first podcast yeah i think so we've had like audio clips in the past and and other little things but not an entire podcast that's pretty cool awesome i get to be the first yeah (laughs) well welcome to the podcast thank you thanks you guys are actually going to be the first section hikers that i talk to so first on multiple levels here (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) And and part of the reason that I wanted to talk to you was because of the whole section hiking thing. Like, I think what you guys are doing is more realistic for a lot of people, maybe. Yeah, I think a lot of people are intimidated by the fact that they have to drop everything in their lives to go through hiking. And we've kind of found a way that we can see most of the trail without dropping everything. So that's been pretty cool. And it kind of actually surprises me that I don't hear about more people that do this because... All I ever hear are the glorified stories of like the long through hikes, which is great, but it's just such a small percentage. I think there's almost a stigma behind it. Like, oh, you're not a real hiker if you're not through hiking the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Did you get that out on trail or while on trail? We got a little bit of it last year when we were doing the desert. It like, it wasn't like real direct, but it'd be like, we would talk to somebody and they'd they'd ask like where we started and we'd say to Hatchapee. And since they had already done 500 miles before us, they kind of would just not end the conversation after that. They'd be like, oh, and then just move on. You know, like we didn't have like we did like we've never backpacked before when right. 
honestly, I think we had more experience in backpacking than a lot of the people we met that year. And when we got to the Sierras, it kind of showed too because we had like crampons and we're ready to go. And people were like, well, we've never hiked at altitude before. We don't know what we're expecting. And we're like, you guys are going to get sick. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Because you guys went from Tehachapi to Whitney, right? Yeah, Cottonwood. Cottonwood, yeah. We did Summit Whitney, but yeah, up near that area. And then this we Cottonwood up to Tuolumne Meadows. Okay. And if I if my research is correct, there was also supposed to be a big event with this hike. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was. <laughs> it didn't happen. We were supposed to get married on trail. Yeah. Our favorite place. Um, but with COVID, we decided that it'd be less stressful just to focus on being on trail during a pandemic than yeah. being on trail during our honeymoon in a <laughs> and but there's just like so many details going on so it was just like if we just have one less complicated thing to manage and just got to enjoy the hike so we just ended up putting the whole thing off which is fine we're planning on spending the rest of our lives together yeah. so it's not like we're not we're hurry. putting it off yeah it's not a big right deal. so today tomorrow it'll happen but yeah it happen. <laughs> <laughs> but it did it for probably a while there it didn't feel like the hike was going to happen so Correct. Yeah. 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 We got our permits, uh, our permit out of Cottonwood, like maybe seven months ago. Um, so we did all the planning and then COVID happened on like March 19th or something, I think was the big day. And we decided that we probably weren't going to hike just for safety of ourselves and for everybody else in the small mountain towns. And then about maybe three weeks before our, I can't remember what our setoff date was. I think the 14th of June or July. Yeah, we kind of saw that the trails were opening and, you know, people were going and we just decided to discuss like if we could, what we could do to be as safe as possible while we were out there. And not even just, again, it wasn't even safety for us necessarily. We work with the public, so we wanted to not bring anything out there. Right. To anybody in the small mountain towns or people that we came across on trail. Yeah. So we just wanted to make sure that we could do it responsibly and we're pretty introverted. So it wasn't really hard for us to like <laughs> stay away from people. So yeah, yeah, it just kind of, it just started to unwrap or started to, you know, unfold and work itself out. So we just decided to, to go for it. Yeah. We only had one uh, resupply that was off trail yeah. and the hitch that we got from his onion Valley. Yeah. Um, it was from two guys that had been on trail for two weeks already. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to get off because one of the guys had an Achilles tendon issue so they they were getting off so we knew that they didn't have it and we knew that we didn't have it at that point yeah and then our ride back to onion valley was from a friend uh, that we knew that family friend yeah so how long were you out there this time three weeks three weeks yeah we were 18 days on trail yeah and you have and how many resupplies in total did you have three three we had uh onion valley um, MTR, MTR, and Red. Red's mm-hmm. Okay, sorry, maybe I'm being slow here, but <laughs> so you had three resupplies, yeah, and you only had one time that you had to get off trail, right? Yeah, at MTR and Red's, we were just able to walk up because they're pretty much on the okay. JMT. Yeah, um, so we didn't have to get in it, into anybody's car or uh, you know the truck or anything or put them at risk. Yeah. In the desert last year, you know, we had to hitch like every time to get into town. But on the 
like on that section, they have those little mountain resupply areas. Mm -hmm. So it made it a lot more accessible. I think we decided had we been doing another section where we had to hitch each resupply that that would have been too much. And so we probably wouldn't have done it if that was the case. But considering we, you know, only had the one and we were, we're, you know, we created standards for ourselves. Like if we could get in the back of someone's truck, that'd be the most ideal, you know, because then we wouldn't have to be near them. They wouldn't have to be near us. But since we all happen to be trail people that they actually, the two guys had gotten tested before they went on trail. They were negative. We got tested before we went on trail. We were negative. So it just ended up working out. How did they have a car? available for that i think that they were yeah they were like i i don't know if they're doing the whole jmt but they're sectioning but they ended up uh, having to get out at bishop pass and then come the because of his achilles and i think they ended up one another guy that they were with had a car up that way Got and it. then they had to drive back down to their car and they were actually heading back up to mammoth right. when they gave us a ride into town it was yeah. kind of like the world just put that truck there for us. Yeah. It was nice. It was <laughs> <laughs> well, it sort of feels like not that you would have known that this would have been a COVID year ahead of time or anything like that. But again, like the section of trail that you guys were hiking was perfect for a COVID world. You only really had to get off trail once. And then, of course, you know, the truck was there for you. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty ideal. And the, the irony is, is we were supposed to hike this trail last year, right. uh, but the snowpack was too heavy. So that's why we flipped it and started into Hatchapi and hiked up to Whitney um, because we figured heavy snowpack, the desert wouldn't be as bad, um, at least that section. And it, it really wasn't. And so we just ended up hiking that. So it just happened to work out that we hiked the John Muir Trail section this year. Right. There's a reason for everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did the two, COVID aside, how did the two section hikes compare for you guys? Uh, man, they were so different. <laughs> they were way different. Um, everything that we saw felt different. Um, the passes this year versus just climbing for no reason last year was a lot different. Uh, the weather felt different. We got lucky last year, too. The week that we left the trail to go back into town uh, to resume our regular lives, the temperature went up to, like, the high 90s and 100s, and we got, like, upper 70s, low 80s. Yeah, when we were in the desert, it was just ideal conditions. It was, like, the week before we got there, it had been raining, and then it was just perfect, like, 70s and 80s. No storms. And then the week that we left, it just shot up to 100 degrees. Yeah. So we got really lucky in the Mojave. I think that's one of the benefits, too, of section hiking is that you can pick what season you want to be on what part of the trail. Yeah. So that's worked out pretty cool. Yeah. But they were just like two different worlds, really. I mean, yeah, it was dry and we had dirt all over everything in the desert. They were sweaty all the time. You <laughs> like it. Oh, tell me about the cat thing. Oh, I got bit by a kitten in Tehachapi, so I had to go to the hospital the day we were going. <laughs> it got it got hit. We saw it get hit, hit by a car, but it was it wasn't injured, but it was stunned. So I, I got it out of the car and I I went to grab it because I couldn't just let it get run over by a big car. And when I, 
Yeah. And so I grabbed it and it whipped back and it bit me before I was able to hold it. And and so we had to find where to drop it off. And then my fingers swole. So I had to go to the ER and I had to get a tetanus shot. So okay. instead of leaving at 7 a.m., we left at like 1. Right. But then you were on antibiotics oh, for yeah. pretty much the whole trip. Don't so. take antibiotics in the desert. It's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sun exposure. Uh-uh. None yeah. of that. It was bad. <laughs> so that changed the atmosphere of the trip a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was challenging. I don't know. It was just they're both both the trips were so different because we also went with a couple this year. Right. Um, so that would just change that dynamic completely compared to us just being alone in the desert last year. We get along so well though that that's not really like being alone in the desert was great. Yeah. And then being this year being with another couple was also great. Right. So it was just a different atmosphere because we were working with four people's brains in the middle of elevation and sickness and yeah. thunderstorms versus two people. Oh, my gosh. Me and the other girl that we were with uh, both got incredibly sick with altitude sickness. It took us three hours to do forest or pass. Okay. <laughs> so, it was really bad. I was, I was just chugging along real slow. So And she was, too. Had you had issues with altitude before? Yeah, yeah. I have scar tissue in my lungs, so I have a hard time with oxygen. Um, and I have like inner ear issues to top it off. So I knew that I was going to get sick, but I had hoped at that point that it would have evened out, uh, but it didn't. And the nausea went away after, a little bit after Forrester. So in the second week, it went away, but I never, my breathing never caught up. So I had a hard time on every pass, but Forrester was by far the worst. <laughs> I just realized, because I'm obviously staring at you and I know who's who, but people who are listening to this are never going to know who's who. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So why Um, don't you introduce yourselves so that they know the voices? Okay. I'm I'm Jay. Uh, My pronouns are they, them. And I'm Max. My pronouns are also they, them. There you go. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) That was one of those. Oops, moments. Yeah. <laughs> Getting back to the altitude thing, knowing mm-hmm. that you have the lung issues, let alone, you know, altitude sickness stuff, but the lung issues specifically, does that just factor in to how you approach each of the hikes? Because I'm assuming that it's not going to change the fact that you're going to go out and hike them. Yeah. I took major precaution this year just because we went on another hike at Cottonwood before we'd ever started sectioning uh, the PCT. And we ended up trying to summit Langley. On accident. On accident. Uh, <laughs> but it was an, it's another 14er. Um, and we pretty much gotten to the top and I felt like utter death. And I've had pneumonia like seven, eight times, and I felt worse than when I had pneumonia. So it turned out that I had high-altitude pulmonary edemia. Um, I just was not getting the oxygen, but we didn't really know that at the time, so we were just kind of like trying to work things out. But this time around, I went and got medication for altitude sickness because I didn't want to get to that point again. But also, the altitude sickness pills make you sick as well. (laughs) So... (laughs) I ended up not taking them. Um, I just was trying to like feel out the altitude sickness. Um, and then as far as like management goes for me, I just tried to go my pace because I just physically cannot go any faster than I, than I'm going. 
Um, and it, as for Forrester, that was that was the worst. I mean, I couldn't do more than like a few feet per few minutes. Like it, it was really, I was I was shuffling at an eighty year old pace <laughs> um, and stopping very frequently. So um, I think this part of the trail is challenging too because you you have to hike to get over the passes to find a campground and to be in a safe place away from thunderstorms and all that. You can't just sit down and camp at random parts of the trail because they're like two feet wide. Yeah. Um, so we kind of had to play it by ear on some of that too because or or plan it actually even better yeah. because we had to get over the pass to get to the campsite so that you know we have enough time. And now I I assume that. Like when you guys were planning this out, knowing what you then knew about the effects of altitude for you, Jay, yeah. that you planned the hike accordingly, like meaning in terms of like how much miles you were expecting to do each day and it was going to be a slog and that kind of thing. Um, Kind of. Kind of. But I mean, we only get three weeks off from work. Yeah. Um, so we usually plan for anywhere between like a 200 to 250 mile section so on this one we needed to do about 16 miles a day through the sierras so i'm not the numbers person max is like the we're gonna do this many miles a day person and i just try to adjust to that um as the day unfolds so we couldn't really adjust the miles i mean we we knew we wouldn't be putting out 20 mile days like we did in the desert but we couldn't really adjust the miles just as because of timing goes, but also um, the peaks kind of determined where we would be camping because, you know, there's thunderstorms every day from like 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. So we didn't want to be at higher altitudes around that time. Um, So we just kind of would hike until noon, essentially take an hour break, hike until the thunderstorm, (laughs) because that would usually be around the time we're hitting the peak, wait at a lower altitude, and then summit and then find a campsite so we were still doing 13 to 16 miles a day yeah i think we could have done less had we had more time but we just made it within our 18 day um, allotment so um yeah we couldn't really adjust it we i I think what we do to adjust it is just we get up earlier and we hike longer right and we did uh look we've got our gear down pretty good too we've got a lot of ultralight gear now so that kind of helps us move a little bit quicker to kind of work with yeah because i'm i'm 411 so i'm not carrying a huge pack yeah well and i think max you're like five two ish yeah five two and a half (laughs) so you guys got out there at the what is it the middle of july i think yeah it was like mid-july yeah i think the 15th was our first day on trail okay how were the river crossings for you? Was there any challenge? They actually they weren't. I I was expecting what I saw last year on YouTube, which I mean, <laughs> normal year, cool. but so much snow and so much. Water. Yeah, I heard how deep some of those were, and I'm like, I'm never gonna make it. I'm under five foot, and these are over five feet deep. But we really the only one was Evolution, Evolution Creek, Creek. Yeah. and we that ended was up. So cold. Yeah, we did it at. 6 a.m. There was frost on the meadow around us. It was terribly cold. Well, there's so there's two spots that you can pass on that one. There's the safe crossing on Gut Hooks, yeah, we which did is where we started camping. Mm-hmm. Uh, we camped that night. And then there's the regular crossing. Um, and there's about a mile of a hike between the two. So we went, we decided to go, um, since we were going Novo, 
we camped at the safe river crossing part, but we had no idea what the not so safe part looked like because we'd have to hike and go see it. Um, so we just crossed that that safe part, and it was only maybe a foot. Yeah, it was like ankle deep, but they had but these the tiny, water. sharp little rocks, and the water was so cold, just above breathing. I lost all the feeling <laughs> in all of my toes, and then it took about an hour for all of us to like actually feel our feet anymore, and they really burn so much whenever you get the feeling back. Yeah. It was terrible. But, I mean, that was, like, our hardest crossing, and it was only ankle deep. And even if we had gone to the main crossing, because we we ended up seeing it, it may have been knee-deep at that point. It was going a little quick, but it definitely would have been manageable. So none of the crossings were bad. Uh, We barely got our feet wet most of the time. Yeah. We wore ultralights, so if we... Or uh, trail running. So if we did, they just dried out really fast anyway. But they were like rock hops yeah. for most of them or bridges. So this year was really manageable as far as river crossings went. Again, we got lucky. <laughs> so last year you did go into the Sierras at least a little bit. Did you have any river crossings there? No. So you just planned it accordingly, so to speak. Yeah. we Right where we got off was where the snow started. Um, as far as like going north goes. So there are just some patches here and there. Um, there was a lot more snow last year right. uh, than there oh, yeah. was this year. Because uh, where we started, you know, where we camped, there was snow patches everywhere. And this year was just totally dry. Except Muir. Uh, Muir had a little bit of snow that had that. Yeah, Muir some patch. of the peaks had a little bit, but it was very patchy. Which was good because we had water the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that was nice. Yeah, yeah, compared to the desert last year, we had that one. There was like a 40-mile stretch that had no water. Um, and Guthook said like, oh, there might be a cache, but we weren't really sure. And so we had to hike. We hiked like 20 miles and then found water. Um, we can't buy it and then kept going the next day. That was the second cache. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But we, we had so much water this year compared to last year. But we also got really lucky in the desert because it was a high water year. So for the desert, we were still really lucky. Again, the perks of uh, sectioning. Section <laughs> almost where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> you get to keep your job and pick your season. Yeah. <laughs> Decide when you want to get on trail. Yeah. 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 So is that, is your guys' plan now basically to just keep section hiking it in 200 to 250 mile pieces and just, you know, accumulate over the next however many, however many years or seasons? I think so. I prefer that we just kind of like knocked it out personally because I'm 37 and I just like want to get it done so that I can do another thing before I can't do the things anymore. You know, not that I'm old, but like, you know, I just kind of want to get things done. (laughs) Um, But we're also kind of what in the upper lower class. So like, it's really hard. We can't really afford to take the time off. I mean, so we could take an extended LOA from our job. That is something that's available to us. But we would have to pay insurance out of pocket if we did that to Which keep our like insurance. Five hundred dollars a month or something. Yeah, and, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it would take us a really long time to save up that amount of money to to pay for that time while we were off. Yeah. So it's not like, and we can get three months. So it's not like it's not available to us. Um, we could definitely finish the trail in three months. But um, you know, living in California with rent being so high. And we also have three cats and a dog. Um, it's just hard to save up that type of money 
to spend that time off and then also pay those things while we're gone. Because, you know, I know a lot of people just like move out of their homes to go hike for four months, but I don't know how that's possible in California, at least where we live, because um, it's so hard to find places to live. And in addition to that, rent is so incredibly high. And then they also want, you know, the first and last months. And you're talking more than what I'm making in a few months. So it's just not feasible for us. So I'd love to just give up my place. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) just go. Yeah. We've thought about renting it out to someone else too um, in the time being, but it just financially, I don't know if we can make it work. Yeah. And we can't leave our cats for that long. And my dog, that'd be, he's 10. I don't want to leave him for that long. So. (laughs) But you have taken him out on the trail with, not necessarily the section hikes, but you have taken him out on the trail with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, He could do, he could do like five miles as long as it's not too steep. He's got a back problem. Um, Disc that's. Yeah. He's got like a, there's something wrong with his disc. It's like pinching a nerve. So, um, he starts to, it's really hard for him to walk after a while. But that's when we end up carrying him. But he's 26 pounds. So we were talking about your dog and basically saying that he, about five miles-ish is Yeah, as long as it's not steep, yeah, he could go. And then we carry him, but he's 26 pounds. So that's a lot yeah. to carry. He's a backpack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he weighs more than my backpack usually, so. We've got our base weight down to like nine pounds. Yeah, so. nice. Yeah, yeah, when we throw in food and water, it's not too bad. But then you throw in a 26-pound dog. He just sits on top, like, kind of where my bear bolt sits. I saw those pictures, yeah. Yeah, he's super cute. But, yeah. oh, man, after a couple miles, he really starts to hurt my shoulders. Yeah. so He's worth it, we, though. We take him when we can, but he's just getting old, so. So I take it, Max, you are the you are the nominated one? Generally, yes. <laughs> So it just makes sense. Functional. I just run sometimes, so I'm not quite as strong. (laughs) So this is a this is a new version of CrossFit. Yeah, basically trail CrossFit. Whatever you need. Exactly. Yeah. The the picture that I saw where you took Bosley with you was the Tahoe Rim. Yes. Did you do the whole thing, or did you just do a portion of that? We're sectioning that as well. We've done... It's a theme. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's only, that's only like, a, it's five miles from our house. So sometimes... Five hours. Huh? Five hours. That's what I said. Five. Did five I say five hours? You said five miles. <laughs> it's five hours from our house. <laughs> um, so we usually will just take like a long weekend if we can and then drive up there right after work and sleep in our car and then do a section and then drive back. Um, we haven't done that this year because yeah. of COVID, though. Yeah, it's crazy. yeah, and you know California's on fire now, so yeah. we can't really go anywhere. So cornered right now. Yeah, we're like actually we're in Monterey, um, and all the highways around us are closed. There's nowhere for us to get out of Monterey at the moment, um, and we're kind of just waiting for evacu- evacuation at this point. Yeah. So. When you say yeah. evacuation, you mean like evacuation order or like somebody to come in and evacuate you? Evacuation order right now, but they are sending out people to to your door if you do not evacuate your house at this yeah. point. Um, I think that we might be okay because we're in the town um, and the two fires are in, well, they're pretty close, but they're in Carmel and Salinas. So there's one north in Santa Cruz too, though. So we have yeah. one like 
we're here and we have one north, east, and south of us. Yeah. So the only thing west of us is the ocean. Yeah. So we're just really hoping for that to end soon. Yeah. But anyways. Uh... <laughs> I was going to say, so not much hiking this year, but no. but when you're able yeah. to get out. For a while, when we first met, we were doing one trip a month. Um, so we did a lot of car camping and local hiking. And then we started the TRT. So we've done 65 miles of that. Yeah. Which is super. The TRT is so chill because you can just break it down in the sections. The way that the trail is built, it's like every 20 miles is a little town. Um, so we'll just park nice. our car in one place and then get off at the next. And usually we have public transportation to bring us back. But with COVID, we don't want to worry about that right now. Yeah. Um, so we haven't. Our biggest trip for this year was the PCT, but at some point we'll probably do a one trip a month again if we can afford it. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of just see how things go financially. And if if we could swing a, like a one day extra off week, then we'll cruise up to Tahoe and and hike that. Um, we've only taken him on one section, Bosley. Um, oh, okay. And it was just like the perfect section. It like wasn't too steep. It was there's rivers everywhere. Um, it was just perfect for him. I don't know if we're going to have another perfect section like that for him. So that may have been his one and only shot at <laughs> his one and only shot at fame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's very famous. though. So. <laughs> well, I, I did. I saw the picture with Max or with Bosley on Max's shoulders. And I was just like, oh, boy. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, he's worth it. He really enjoys being outside and he, he loves nature so much. He, you can just see it in his eyes and his body like takes over and just does what he needs to do. So it's pretty cool that to have him in the outdoors and, and to he, see him enjoy it. He scares bears away at night. You wouldn't think a small dog would. But um, he's got this really low growl that doesn't even look like it would come out of his body. Yeah. If he hears something around the tent, he just does the low growl. And we've watched a bear come like near our tent and then hear it and then walk away because we'll usually sleep without the fly on. So, um, and then he just lays back down once it's gone. So it's kind of a really nice warning system. <laughs> He's like this big and the bears are afraid of him. So, <laughs> so when you're sitting there or laying there watching a bear walk towards you, <laughs> you said that very calmly, by the way, um, <laughs> We've had a handful of bear encounters, um, yeah. usually in the Mammoth area when we've done like little uh, weekend hikes and whatnot, um, but we haven't had any problems yet. We haven't had any problems. I mean, at night, I, for me, as long as I can see them, so I'll wake up and if I can see where they're at around the campsite, then I feel a little bit better because at least I know where it is. And then they leave and then you kind of just go back to sleep. But, um, we had one night we were at, it was when we first started backpacking together, we were at um, is it the Army Pass? Yeah, yeah, that was the Cottonwood Trail. Yeah, so we were at Cotton, the Cottonwood Lakes doing um, like a circle trail um, around the lakes. And he... No, we didn't or know no, he wasn't there. That it was, was when we saw the eyeballs, right? Yeah. We were... It was the middle of the night. We heard something happen. We weren't sure what it was. And we look up and we just see these two eyes staring at us from maybe like 50 feet away. But it's so dark and it's in the bushes. We can't see any body. We're not sure what it is. And so we kind of like, like, oh, maybe everything will be okay. And we went back to sleep. And literally the entire, all we saw were eyeballs just staring at our tent. It was, yeah. it was like somebody was messing with us, but we're, 
positive it was a bear. But there was also llamas nearby. And, you know, I read somewhere that they scream when they're scared. So usually bears want to go away if something's screaming. Yeah, so. somebody had hiked in with llamas as uh, pack animals yeah. to hold all their stuff. Yeah. Which, uh, by the way, that is where I'm going when I'm older. I'm definitely <laughs> getting a llama because carrying my bag, it's just, it's getting a little old. No go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love your descriptions of these encounters with bears. And you're both basically so blasé about it. You know, yeah, see the bear. It walks away. I just go back to sleep. There's <laughs> no adrenaline there. There's no. As long as they know you're coming, it's fine. I'm scared of mountain lions. I don't want to see mountain lions. We've heard them yep. when we camped in, um, in Santa Cruz area. Uh, don't want to deal with that. Coyotes were creepy this year on the yes. trail because you could hear all of them howling and doing their thing. When we were hiking up to, was it Forrester? I, I keep getting all the passes mixed up because <laughs> at some point everybody was scared of elevation and we all just kind of had to hike to get over them. So I mix them up a little bit, but we were hiking. Um, and we were in this gorgeous field. We could see like the, the mountainside in the distance. It looked, you know, huge as they usually do. We have some water and we're kind of sitting here like getting water and filtering and all of a sudden we just hear a howl in the background and it starts echoing and we're like oh that's not good and then all of a sudden we heard like hundreds of howling noises coming from around like us. felt like hundreds okay <laughs> there was so there was so much noise and there are a lot of them that was pretty scary <laughs> yeah because it was just like echoing off the walls so they clearly saw us we couldn't see we them we could not see them my friend was pooping. It scared her. So. <laughs> <laughs> she was not in the best position for predators to be nearby. No. <laughs> she was a little paranoid. Yeah. Yeah, rightfully so. <laughs> Are there other trails? I mean, basically, it seems like for the next couple of years, at least, or next few years, at least, you have your work cut out for you in terms of between the Tahoe Rim Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail and kind of knocking off sections of that. But is there other trails that you also want to to tackle? Or are you not even thinking that far ahead at this point? Oh, no, I'm, I'm like, I'm the person that's like, I want to do all the things. That's kind of what gets us through the work week, to be honest, just thinking about hiking as much as possible. We're actually planning on adjusting our whole life just so that we can um, be closer to different trails around the U.S. That was kind of the whole start of our Instagram was to um, kind of keep track of those adventures. But that hasn't started yet. Um, it was supposed to kind of start this year. We were going to buy a trailer and live in a trailer. And then we would just transfer our job um, into locations, hopefully. This is ideally into locations that were closer to trails that we'd like to um, become more acquaint acquainted with. So, you know, places in Utah or in Idaho or whatever. We want to do the Azington. We want to do the Arizona Trail. We want to do the Colorado Trail. Um, I'm not really interested on the East Coast at all. Yeah, the AT <laughs> sounds too wet. We're obviously idealists and like picking things the way I would like <laughs> sections of the CDT. Yeah. There's just... I'd like to, um, Max can do Cherry all the hard pack. stuff. Max is great with just like doing the thing. I don't like suffering too much. <laughs> I do like to enjoy my hike a little. So 
Um, there's definitely like portions of things that that are def- that are on our list. I don't know if we'll ever have a, an official trip crown status. <laughs> yeah, I could see myself finishing the CDT before the AT. It just it sounds so wet, <laughs> humid. Yeah, <laughs> those huge snakes. Man, those snakes are big out there. Speaking of snakes, did you guys run into rattlers out there? Last year we did. Yeah, on on the desert portion, we came across a couple. We only saw one snake this year in the Sierras. First first day last year, Max almost stepped on a rattlesnake because it was a it was kind of like sunset time and it it didn't move off the trail. And Max just saw it like last second before they almost stepped on it. So three inches from it. Yeah, good um, stuff. We saw like nice. last year. Yeah. yeah, there were a lot more last year for sure. Yeah, we have a lot around this area too, out in part, out in the valley. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not a fan of them. We just give them a very wide berth. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You uh, step gently. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and in the desert, there were so many, so many horny toads. We didn't want to step on those either. Yeah, there's so. horn toads everywhere. There's lots of different kinds of snakes. Yeah. We saw a bunch of racer snakes, and I think I think it was a gopher snake. Maybe there's a lot of snakes and lizards. Big fat black lizards. Don't know what those were. <laughs> they're all over the desert. <laughs> I like wonder walking? if I wonder if they're there this year. Meaning, like because last year was so wet, oh right, right. that the extra water just kind of brought them out and yeah, yeah, I, multiplying. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. There's just I feel like actually we saw a lot more life last year in the desert than we did in the Sierras this year. Yeah. Um, we really only saw marmots and chipmunks mm-hmm. and some deer. Um, I didn't see a single bear this year. No, Sam saw, uh, one of the guys that we were hiking with saw a bear in, at Red's Meadow mm-hmm. uh, as he was cruising on through. Yeah, but besides that, I mean, we may have seen a lizard, pikas. a snake. Oh, we saw lots of pikas. Pikas? Pikas. 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 Okay. We saw some of those, um, but, and uh, a bald eagle. We did see a bald eagle. Very nice. <laughs> yes. We all stopped and saluted it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but we didn't really see a whole lot of wildlife this year. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was just due to all the rain last year. The water brought it out, brought them out. Yeah, yeah. And wildflowers. There's wildflowers everywhere in the desert last year. That would be, that would be something to see. It really, it made it work. Well, I mean, the whole thing was worth it, but it made the really hard times a lot better because when I was looking down and I was exhausted, I could just look down at these just tiny, tiny little beautiful flowers that were just sprinkled everywhere around us. And I think it made things a lot more manageable for me personally. You have any thoughts on that, Max? Max is there for the miles. (laughs) (laughs) I'm there for the nature and the animals and... Max is there for miles, I think. I mean, I enjoy it. I'm not I'm not there to, like, push through the miles, but it, I tend to be the one in the group that everybody kind of relies on to be like, okay, this is what we have to do next, you know, and I kind of push people to do the thing instead of just taking, like, three-hour lunch breaks and all that kind of stuff. You're the parent? Yeah, maybe. I'm <laughs> <laughs> the boss this year, so... But not because I'm bossy. There's a different story behind it. <laughs> well, and actually... Thank you for opening that up, Jay, (laughs) because usually, obviously, on section hikes, you don't get trail names because it's you have a limited pool of people that you're hiking with or that you're seeing and and stuff like that. But that was not the case for you guys. 
No. No. Yeah. Last year you did get you did get you did get trail names, and then this year uh, Max yours might have changed if you've accepted it or not. But yeah. Let's see. Where do I start with that? Okay, so I'm trans, transgender. Um, so I'm small, um, and when society sees me, they picture me as like a small, five foot two, like dude. Um, not very intimidating at all. Um, just kind of existing, so on and so forth. Anyway, so we were at uh, Rite Aid, and I brought my stuff to the register. I was getting a Gatorade and maybe a bag of chips or something, and the guy goes what can I do for you boss? And I, you know, put my stuff on the counter. We did the transaction at the end of it. He said, all right, thanks man. Have a great day. And that was it. So we end up back on trail and there's all four of us and, my, and our family. Um, and we're talking and I'm like, Hey, like, does anybody else get called like boss? Like do people refer to you guys as boss? And everybody in the group's like, no, no. Like, what do you mean? And so I explain it and we all kind of come to terms and agreement with the fact that like, maybe they see me just as somebody who's unintimidating. So giving me like a power title um, might like make me feel better about how small I am. Or, I don't understand yeah. Dynamics We're like not that. really sure. And like, I'm still navigating like how to interact with men. So I'm not really sure like what it means. Yeah. If anybody has any ideas, feel free to reach out to me. Um, <laughs> But as we're saying this, this other hiker comes through and he, it seems like he hasn't talked to people in days. He's just chatty, 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 chatty. And at the end of it, he hands me his water bottle and goes, hey, boss, can you throw this in my backpack? And everybody in my family just loses it. Because as soon as he walked off, we were like, boss. We were talking about it right there and then. And like we couldn't figure it out. And I don't think anybody really... Um, like understood what I meant or like they hadn't seen it like firsthand. So maybe they weren't quite sure if that was actually a thing, but like the timing couldn't have been any better. So <laughs> I ended up with the trail name, the boss. A bunch of people called you boss after that too. A bunch of yeah. People. And then anytime we were on trail and we came up with somebody, we came up on somebody else and they said like, what's up boss or whatever. Everybody in the group was like, boss. It was amazing. <laughs> it's funny too. Cause we had another guy with us. So it's not like Max was the only one that was like male passing. Right. But it's just the guys only come up to Max and they're always constantly like, what's up boss? Boss. Yeah. It's strange. <laughs> strange. I am with you, Max. I am fascinated by this, this thing that they're doing. I, I, I love studying the way that people interact and like all of the unconscious, social cues that people are using yeah it's really interesting when you uh when you transition and go from like you know society saw me as a woman for a really long time and people would talk to me in a certain way a certain manner and then now that they see me as something else it's been interesting kind of like relearning life and how to interact with people and i've it almost works in my benefit because i've found that uh, men don't talk as much to other men. So I'm, as an introvert, I don't really have to talk to people as much. And that's really nice. I mean, it's been a change for me too, because I've seen people treat you different. Right. And people still treat me as a woman. And so I still get the stereotypical, like, guys are really nice to me because I'm a woman, or they're, they're really rude to me because I'm a woman. Yeah. But. You know, and now, but you get a lot more male passing privilege, which is right. really interesting to watch. Yeah, there's a lot of male passing privilege going on in this yeah. world, for sure. I mean, I could do a whole podcast on that alone, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I won't. Yeah, get rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I did want to touch base with you guys on 
being non-binary and being and on the trail and and how you've had how that experience um or how that has potentially affected your experience on the trail yeah for me um uh people don't read me as anything but a woman so for me if anything my experience is just like I don't know, kind of invalidating, but also that's just my life. So I'm not expecting anything different on the trail. Um, if anything, usually I shave my head and when I shave my head, people will read me as a lesbian. And so sometimes that can be a little bit sketchy in like small towns, um, small mountain towns. I feel a little bit uncomfortable sometimes walking down the road. Um, but for me, I don't, yeah, it doesn't really affect affect me in that way. I, I have female passing privilege. Like I, I don't pass as trans necessarily. So people, if anything, people read me as a straight woman when I have long hair, which is a whole, a whole topic. Yeah. (laughs) Another rabbit hole we could go down. (laughs) For me, the only issues that come up usually are if I have to show my ID, um, cause I still have a big old F on my gender marker and my my birth name instead of my chosen name um and my birth name is very girly and doesn't really match um how i present um so the only time that that's been an issue was uh we were hiking the skyline to sea trail and um we had everything was under my name um to get into the campsite and i had to show my id for that um and you know it's a little uncomfortable when the person's like wait like that picture doesn't really match the person that i'm seeing and like you know, all the, like, the gender marker doesn't match and all that. Um, but I'm kind of, once we get married, we're going to put in the paperwork as well for name changes so that becomes official and then um, changing all of our documents and stuff. But it's like, it's like almost $500 just to get your name changed and then and having then paperwork to on top else, yeah. Yeah, is an extra lot of money. Yeah, you have to get a new passport, new birth certificate, new driver's yeah. license. Right. And all those things cost a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so we haven't really done that yet. Yeah. But rather than that, I haven't, I'm a little bit careful when I take my shirt off when we're on trail. Yeah. Um, usually that's only like around our family. It's funny. I take my shirt off more than Max does. Yeah. Um, just because I'm like, whatever, everyone's got nipples. But I, people just see me as a woman with a, with a shirt off you know i there's not like a lot of like trans danger in that necessarily and then a lot of people are starting to um realize that like if you have the scars across your chest that probably means that you're trans or you've had top surgery or whatever so that's there's a little bit of a danger in that um but it's not i haven't had anything negative so far on trail yeah um from that i think you just are a little bit more careful about where you're taking your shirt off yeah i think that that's a big uh issue too like on the trail like you know if you're cis usually if you want to get naked it's whatever you're in in nature you can get naked but if you're trans and maybe like you don't have the parts that people think you should have quote unquote you can't just get naked in nature because if somebody comes walking up you're also in the middle of nowhere and if somebody that comes walking up is violent against trans people, you have to take that into consideration. So you have to think about things a little bit more, I'd say. I'm pretty aware of like where I put my cooler cloth on my pack because if it's like on the outside and everybody can see it, they'll be like, well, why is he doing carrying a cooler cloth? Like that's not really normalized quite yet. Yeah. 
So there's a little bit more thought that goes into it. I think it's like nuances, like small things that right. happen or that we have to like consider right. while it, we're out there. Yeah, we're always aware of like microaggressions happening too if we're talking to somebody. Yeah, I'm always, I'm worried personally when we're together, I never know how to navigate how the other person is reading you because I'm afraid if they read us as a queer couple, then they may have negative reactions as us as a queer couple right but if they read us as a straight couple but then figure out that you're trans that's like a whole other dynamic so i'm constantly thinking about like the social interactions that we have which are limited again so um but and i mean that could be a part of why we're a little bit more introverted it's you you almost have to walk up to people and just like gauge and it it sucks but you kind of have to gauge like are you going to be homophobic against me if you find out that I'm gay? Or are you going to be transphobic against me if I tell you my pronouns? Um, so, yeah, I have to decide, am I going to am I going to talk to somebody, number one? And number two, am I going to tell them my pronouns? Is that worth the energy? Because sometimes I just don't want to have those conversations and I just want to enjoy nature. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we just have to. We have to think a lot more. Yeah, we play things by ear pretty often and go from there. Yeah. Sometimes I'll, if we end up, um, like if we are out in Yosemite, uh, usually they don't have like gender neutral bathrooms too. So if we're not uh, in the backcountry and we're, you know, trying to use um, a bathroom facility, like that's something that I have to think about, um, which honestly has been a lot easier with COVID because everybody's wearing masks. So nobody talks. <laughs> face anyway uh, so that was, that's been an interesting plus to go yeah probably the only one actually <laughs> it's so it's so interesting in the male or female passing versus reality it's sort of like that knife or that it's a double-edged sword each direction yeah, yeah it can be <laughs> it's just like the existence our existence essentially is controversial. So, right. You know, it's like, no matter what it's like, do I, do I use my female passing privileges to my advantage and just kind of let men flirt with me and say whatever terrible things they want to say and just go with that. Yeah. And like flirt with the guy and like get a hitch into town. Like I don't want to use that card, but if that card means my safety, then I'm going to use that card, you know? Um, But that is a huge privilege that I have personally, because you don't have the privilege of, I mean, you, you might have male white male passing privilege now, but also sometimes people still call you ma'am, which is weird because you have a beard. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I'll play the cards that are given to me um, for my own safety. But I would prefer not to. But honestly, like, we're, we're at that point in society and in time where, like, you know, people are becoming more aware of the fact that there are non-binary people in this world, people that don't fit into either genders or the gender spectrum is huge. And it's great that people are coming to terms with that. But, like, if we don't stand up for our things sometimes, like, stand up for our pronouns and for who we are as people, like, 
we're kind of hurting the trans kids in the future because like somebody needs to do it now so that they're safe in the future. So, but also sometimes I just don't have the spoons for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a double-edged sword in that. Like maybe we need to be safe and protect ourselves, but also like maybe we need to protect the trans kids in the future. So it, it we're, these are things like we're constantly thinking about and, you know, we wish society would maybe just do a little bit of research and like understand that there are people in this world that don't fit into either side of the spectrum. I think too, if even if people just normalize like, hi, my name's Jay and my pronouns are they, them, or, you know, if cis people normalize, hi, my name's Karen and my pronouns are she, her, mm -hmm. that would make it so much easier for us, you know, and other non-binary people and just trans-binary people too, because then if I did meet somebody on trail, he could be like, hi, my name's Steve, my name, my pronouns are he, him. That would give me a prompt to have, that would not only give me a prompt, but it also instantly makes me feel safe. Because now I know that if I tell him my pronouns are they, them, I don't have to worry about him being transphobic against me or telling me that my pronouns are invalid or asking me why I would do that. You know, I would just know that he, that person is just going to be like, all right, those are your pronouns, you know, and go with that. And, you know, no one's perfect. Everyone's going to slip up. But even if it was just something like putting pronouns in bios or like saying your pronouns, like introducing yourself and saying your pronouns, like that would make things a lot easier. We had a couple people this summer on trail that came up to us and were like, hey, you guys are the non-binary nomads. And we were like, <laughs> wow, are, but like we're in the backcountry. And like, how do you know that? Because you're not on Instagram right now. But we were able to just have those conversations where it was like, you know, hi, my name is Max. I use they, them pronouns. And like the person that one of the people that we met, um, their name was Aiden. And they were like, hi, my name's Aiden. Like I use they, them pronouns as well. And it's like, okay, that's done. Let's move on and talk about like what we want to talk about. You know, yeah. we don't have to be awkward and exist in this weird space. Like these are the facts and now we're moving on. You yeah. know, it's just so much easier and it's totally doable. It was really refreshing seeing those people out there. Yeah. Yeah. I would assume, and maybe this is, this is truly just an assumption, but one of the, one of the notes that, you put on Instagram also had to do with mental health and the changes you guys were noticing with your mental health being out on the trail and being in nature versus real world or whatever you want to call it, normal life, so to speak. How were you, I guess, talking about that specifically here? Because it's actually something that I hear from a lot of people. You know, it's, it's, really an interesting is such the wrong word, but it's so interesting to me. Like I talk to people who say, I'm very anxious. I, I get very anxious. And then they talk about being on the trail and it's like that breath of fresh air for them. And I think both of you, if I was remembering it correctly, also kind of expressed that same, that same dichotomy, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I have I have panic attack disorder and social anxiety and then just general anxiety. And um, when we're out there, I mean, actually, I didn't really have any panic attacks this year. Not on this, not on this year, yeah. Just when you cried. Cried on Forrester because that was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I got to the top and I was like, I hated that so much. <laughs> that seems um, like a very valid cry. Oh, man. It definitely was. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't experience, it's funny because, you know, on trail, 
the decisions you make, if I want to be a bit melodramatic about it, it's almost like a life and death to an extent. Like if you don't do this thing, you may not have enough water to live. Or if you don't do this thing, you may not have enough food. But it's also a lot more simplified where just food and water and walking um, and, you know, navigating around certain challenges, that's all you have. But they're very primal challenges for me. Um, so I think just being like, all right, well, today we have to be point A to point B. And it's just that's all we have to do. And as we go, we'll see how we feel along the way and see when we need to rest and see when we need to eat. And that's all we have to do. I don't have to um, worry about people being mean to me at work or even having to be at work um, during certain hours and or like paying rent or even though we paid rent before we left. But, you know, you don't have to like do those like daily life things. And then in addition, you're getting so much sunlight yeah. and you're getting up with the sun and you're going to sleep with the sun. I think that's key for me and i just cannot manage to do that at home so but yeah it, it helps me a lot have have you been able sorry max um have you been able to take some of that i guess trail uh good mental health back into life with you yes and no um i mean we we try to make a real big point um to i try to specifically me i try to get out every day before work and like go for a run and then on the weekends i try to go for short hikes um but right now we can't leave the house at all because of the fires and the air quality um so we can't do any of that but we try to integrate those things as it is but i think just the stressors of everything else really overrides a lot i've been trying to get up early the same time every day and like go to bed around the same time but with our jobs, I work until seven o'clock at night. So I don't really get to bed until 10 or 11 with dinner. And yeah, there's just like more things that I have to worry about along the way that I just can't manage and simplify quite as much as I can on the trail. So I've been, I do try every time when we get back, I'm always like, I'm going to do these things and it's going to make my life better. Um, but then it's like, you just fall right back into, I have to go to work every day and, you know, so I try to do things, but it's just not the same. I, I Everybody at work asks, like, you know, were you ready to come home at the end of three weeks? And, like, I always say no. I could absolutely hike for longer. Um, and I think that's just because of, I'm so much happier out there. And I don't know what that limit would be, but I could definitely hike longer than three weeks. But you'd love to test it at some point. I would. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> Okay, sorry, Max. What what about you? Um, let's see. I have depression and anxiety in my normal day to day life. It's just something I live with, um, which is fine. It's just part of who I am as a person. But the trail definitely gives me a place to not deal with those things as much. They say, you know, kind of when you're out in the wilderness, that you're stuck with your own thoughts more than anything. And um, yeah. I that's being on trail is the only time where it's like almost good for me to be stuck with my own thoughts because um, I do work through some, some things and I am in like a place physically where it's good to work on those things and it's easy and um, I don't know nature kind of just provides me like a place to not overthink life and just to do what I need to do so that's pretty cool do you even though you are the parent do you because <laughs> that obviously comes with a lot of responsibility yeah 
on the trail. But do you find that that brings about any anxiety or anything like that? Or, or is that just simple is the wrong word, but. Yeah, I'm kind of a, a giver. I think I do, I do better taking care of people. Um, and I get happiness out of that. And I always love when I'm right. So if I think about <laughs> for long enough and then I'm like, oh yeah, we did need five days worth of food. And, you know, we get to the fifth day and I'm like, well, look at that. I was right. You know, it really kind of builds my self-esteem. They bit. really focus on food. And I'm just like, I don't know. So we walk a day without food. What's the big deal? I eat like three to 4,000 calories of food a day. And, so, but I always have leftover snacks. So it's going to be fine. But your snacks are different than snacks. I want my snacks. <laughs> Um, I think Max actually functions a lot better when they're taking care of other people. I think if you went out by yourself, you would struggle more because you'd have less to focus on. Well, I'd have to take care of myself, and I usually put that on the back. Yeah. But I I think with our group dynamic, too, um, on the topic of taking care of each other, it was really nice having, like, different people to focus on sometimes um, because it'd be like, well... We could push out this many miles today, but like, how are these people feeling? Like, do they want to push out that many miles? So like, we kind of like all talk to each other to see where we were at. Yeah, we kind of came up with a rule of like, first you ask, like, physically, can you do another four miles? And if the answer is yes, then you're like, okay, well, mentally, can you do four miles? So it's kind of good for us um, as a group to break it down and look out for each other. Did you have any other house rules, so to speak? Uh, we had a lot of COVID rules, uh, masks. We had to be in the trunk of somebody's car or like the bed, ideally. Uh, One of our friends was not, she could not do more than 16 miles. Yeah. That was the rule. That was the rule of 16 miles. Yeah. She didn't do more than 16 miles. If she did more than 16 miles, it wasn't good for her partner. No. So. <laughs> so we, Copy that. Yeah. Yeah. Was, <laughs> she, yeah. So, uh Got real sketchy around 16 miles. We pretty much had to get in water at least once a day. Oh, yeah. It was really nice bringing our friends on this one because so Max really likes to just, you know, do the miles. And I'm the one that's like, I'm going to take a break now. And so they'll usually take a break. But our two friends are very much water people and would really start to dry out if they could not get into a body of water at some point. Which is how one of them got the trail name of drought trout yeah we ended up on the <laughs> drought trout so every time we'd see we'd like look at the map and be like all right so there's this like lake on the map if it's a nice lake do you guys want to get into it at that point or we'd be walking by a body of water and be like hey do you guys want to get in so we ended up stopping at a lot of really cool locations and either we're not as much water people so we might like put our feet in um, it's very cold so a little toby yeah Um, but we'd stop and relax at the lake and like they'd go for a swim and then we'd we'd move on or you know sometimes we'd split up and we'd say we'd meet up at a lake when they'd be swimming or whatever but that was really nice because we were able to slow the trip down a little bit and like see those locations whereas last year the desert you know there's not a lot of monuments to stop at um the Mojave is gorgeous in, in a lot of areas, but it definitely wasn't like a, hey, let's stop and sit in the sun for an hour, you know, <laughs> because there's nowhere to there's nowhere to hide, you know. So I think it was nice, like having those distractions this time around because we we're if we didn't stop and get them in water, though, like they, they just fell apart. So <laughs> it, was I mean, it was good for us, too. But... I think that that's it, though. Yeah, we're pretty much always on the same page there wasn't anything that it was like two versus two or uh 
three versus one, it all it always seemed like we kind of could work through it to where we're all on the same page. Yeah. It's just if I was too tired, I would take it out on Max. And if our friend was too tired, she would take it out on her husband. So it worked out great. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Perfect group of dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was just realizing as we were away for a moment that we never talked about Jay's trail name. Oh, uh, my name's Pretzel. I just found out I really like pretzels on the trail. (laughs) You didn't know about this beforehand? I I really didn't. I always thought I hated pretzels, but man, pretzels are my jam. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my my trail name was a little bit more um, simple, but... (laughs) I actually bought a four-pound bag of pretzels, and Jay probably ate three of the four pounds. Yeah. (laughs) Really good. So it was literally just Max buying the pretzels, you happening to eat them, to discover that this was your lifelong passion? That yeah. We were on one of the peaks. I don't know. They all blended together. Mather? Maybe. I don't know. We sat down on this really cool slope on one of the peaks, and I ate pretzels for the first time in a really long time, and I just couldn't get over it. And then after that, I was like, what other kind of pretzels can I eat? I really want those mall pretzels. The big ones, the Auntie Annie's one. The really, the soft ones, that like yeah. bread pretzels. Yeah, yeah, with like mustard, and that's all yep. I can think about. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep, that's it. <laughs> and the story is done. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Very deep. Very deep. What I'm trying to go through here and just double check any of my notes that I've got here. <laughs> so uh, one of the notes that you guys have made on Instagram is about your different planning approaches. And I feel like we've kind of talked about it in so much as one of you is the miles planning person and the other one is not so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but how does that come together when you actually do have to plan the hike and, and, agree on kind of what you're going to do and and how long you're going to do and how far you're going to go. I think it actually works out really well. I tend to be the idea person. So I usually pick a place that sounds great. And then Max will figure out, well, the trail is this many miles. We'll probably need this many days off. And then they also manage the food portion because that just blows my anxiety out of the water. Um, trying to plan like how many days I'm supposed to be eating what is way too much. And then I usually figure out the transportation details, like how are we going to get there? Are we going to need um, to take public transportation at any point? What does the hitch spots look like? Is there, you know, options for taking an Uber or whatnot? Um, or are we doing an out and back? So I usually do travel stuff. Um, I usually also tend to look where the water spots are while we're on the trail. We use a uh, gut hook. So that's really handy. And then you are more of, well, we usually do this many miles in this many hours. Yeah, I can figure out the time, like how long ideally it'll take us to get to a water section. And then we always send ourselves food. So I figure out all the calories per day that we're going to need in a resupply box and how many days we're going to need I think so far that's worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I do all the mailing and figure out like how soon I need to send them or how late I need to send them. 
Yeah, so I do the numbers and you do the ideas. Yeah. Yeah. It just works out really well because I don't, I don't think we, we never argue about, one of us is just stronger at one thing than the other is and vice versa. And it just works really well with both of our anxieties because Max cannot do the travel aspect. Yeah. I have a really hard time with public transportation, just existing on it in general. Um, much less planning to exist on it is terrible in my eyes. So you usually figure that out. Yeah. So yeah, it just works out really well. It, it feels like you guys have, a complementary skill sets and then also kind of complementary um, anxieties, so to speak, because yeah. one one has is anxious about something, but the other other one can take that on. That is a strength of theirs, and like you guys can pass the baton back and forth. Yeah, and it works like that in everyday life too, usually, but also on the trail. Like anytime. I'm freaking out. I usually freak out about things more than Max does. Max is really level-headed. Um, but anytime I do, they kind of are there to, like, bring me down and help me, like, figure things out. And then if they end up getting to that point, I'm, you know, I'm usually the one that buckles down and, like, helps guide them through that. Like, if, if they get – you got really worried about food on one of the days because we were – we thought we were a day behind. So they were really worried about not having enough. But I never eat – all of my food. So we all as a group manage, well, if we did end up hiking an extra day, this is the food that we have. And like, we can make that work between all of us because we'd still get there like half of the day late or something. Well, the the day after I had, because, so we were waiting on a thunderstorm on this, um, this summer's trip and it was like three o'clock and we decided that that we were just going to set up camp for the night. And that put us behind like almost a full day. It was a crazy amount of miles. And I was panicking because I eat so much food all the time that I wasn't going to have enough food. Um, and so I never eat food. So right. <laughs> you showed me what food you had. And as a group, we looked through all the food and I realized that I could eat everybody else's stuff and that would be fine. And I could swallow my ego for a second to be okay. <laughs> and so we set up camp that night and then. I took a depression nap and then the next morning we woke up uh, like stronger than ever and hiked double the amount of miles that we thought we were going up. Yeah. Um, so it ended up not being an issue anyway, but it was interesting to see like you and the group as a whole, like realize, okay, somebody in the group is having an anxious moment. Let's see what we can do to make it better. Yeah. So, yeah we're pretty good at that. I think that's also why I proposed to you like after we us knowing each other because you realize really quick if a person's anxiety is going to work with yours or not and that was it <laughs> yeah yeah our anxieties work out what a yeah. weird thing right, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's the perfect meeting yeah you have the mind so to speak yeah we'll have to say something about that in our vows like you know i'm so thankful that your anxiety works with me yeah <laughs> That's that's the the toast. Yeah. <laughs> there last year, I believe, there was an earthquake on while you guys were on trail. Oh yeah. Three. Three. Well there's a bunch of aftership okay. after There's two, two main days. earthquakes. Yeah. And then just aftershocks forever. Yeah, like five days. Yeah. That was really cool. We were like, uh, I mean, I don't think anyone got hurt in the earthquake. One, one guy. One person. He was under his car. Yeah. The earthquake happened. His car fell on top of him. Is what we heard. But yeah. 
There was, there was the earthquake as big as it was from what we understand. There weren't any other casualties. 8.7 or something. Just something really big. But yeah, we were in the middle of this. We couldn't have been in a better spot. I mean, we were in the middle of this desert area that was just kind of going into like scattered wooded area. And it was just flat sand and then mountains on the sides. Like a mile off in each direction, there was like a hill. And it, we just heard this noise and Max was like, what's that? And I was like, a train? Because it just sounded <laughs> so weird. Um, and then we just heard it coming towards us and then it was Rats. under us. And I was like, this is an earthquake. And Max was like, I'm from California and Max is from Tennessee. Yeah. So they were like, well, what do we do in an earthquake? And I was like, they taught us to get underneath the desks at school. I don't know. There's no desks here. Um, so we stood there. Um, and, you know, you just stand away from things that are going to fall. And there wasn't anything around us. We just stood there and it passed under us. And then it went off to the left of us and up the ridge. And then we heard an avalanche off in the distance. And that was the main one. Um, and then we went into Kennedy Meadows and we were at... The general store. Yeah, in the little campsite right outside the general store. Yeah, and that was the second big one. That one was a little bit more unnerving because there's a lot of big trees around us, and we were near a gas station. Yeah, that was um, like a seven point something. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then after that, it was just every night. Max sleeps through anything. I woke up every night whenever there was an aftershock, um, especially. Uh, as we were leaving Kennedy Meadows, we ended up going up this hill, and we were just in this forest of just old falling down really big trees mm -hmm. and we were like where do we camp that's safe because <laughs> yeah I'm like there's nowhere to camp that's safe so we just kind of like picked a spot from you know trying to make sure when trees were leaning that they were leaning away from us right. um and it Hope just best. yeah worked out max's mom called the sheriff she thought we were dead oh uh, we got to the top <laughs> This mountainside. She's also had, from the south, so she, yeah. she's never experienced an earthquake. My mom lives in Texas, and she's always lived in the south, right? And we get to the top of this mountainside, and I pull out my phone, and I had service. And it was the first time having service in, like, six or seven days. And maybe... We could have called her from Kennedy Meadows, but we didn't. No, I didn't think it was, was going to be an issue. But, I'll, no, I, maybe we didn't have service, because I wasn't receiving text okay, messages. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> didn't do that so long. Um, but yeah, we got up to the side of this mountain and I look and see that I have service and like 5,000 missed calls from every single one of my family members and Catholic families in the South are really big. So let's start with that. But past that, we, I answer the phone. I look at it. I have all these voicemails. So I call my mom like, Hey, what's going on? Like, did somebody die? And she was like, I called the sheriff. I thought you were dead. I had no idea there were earthquakes in Ridgecrest and that's where you're supposed to be. And then she, I guess, had called all the different places that we had, like, pickup spots to we see if like, our packages were picked up. We were, like, a week ahead of schedule, too. So she thought we were much closer to Ridge. We were close to Ridgecrest, but we were closer to Kennedy Meadows. Right. So and she panicked. So yeah, she hard. did. I called my mom, and she, like, didn't even. She was just like, how do you hike? <laughs> <laughs> the difference between California parents yeah. and Louisiana parents. Yeah, so I had to say, don't worry. Mom, uh, Max's mom, uh, I'm an earthquake professional. I've lived yeah. through some. Everything's got this handled. Yeah. Please don't call the sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're just staying away from big things that fall over, so that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. I have, with, that, with the earthquake, 
I have had, I've had one earthquake since I've been here that you hear it coming. Yeah. Like a lot of times you just, it just shakes and you shake and, and it's freaky and, and whatever. But I've had one earthquake like that where you actually hear the rumble of it coming. And it was definitely one of those moments where you're like, what is that? Yeah. Is there a big truck around or? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I had no idea where we were in consideration to like a city. So I was like, is, is there a base there? Like an uh, mm-hmm. Air Force base nearby or? Yeah. yeah the fighter jets. Was that before or after the earthquake? Before. I thought it was after. There was some fighter jets that flew right over us at some point where. We're out in the middle of nowhere. The jet turned upside down and I could see the air, the pilot in the cockpit. I could see his face. (laughs) We're so close. So we thought maybe it was another one of those happening. Yeah, we thought it was an earthquake. And then this big metal gray thing was flying at us. And I went, my reaction was to run. And Max is just standing there. So I was like grabbing their arm to try to run away. (laughs) And, um, you know, in fighter jets, it was really strange. (laughs) Quite the trip. Yeah. That was much more terrifying than earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you've had some adventures on the trails. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'd say this year was actually less eventful than last year, which is strange because the desert is, it seems so empty. Right. But, I mean. We had a lot of oddities last year, but this year was more of sink. Yeah. So, and thunderstorms. Thunderstorms. Yeah. I was really scared of the thunderstorms. Were they pretty much every afternoon? Yeah, uh, mostly. I'd say there was a few that we didn't get some. There were clouds every afternoon, but we probably only had, I think it only actually rained like twice. There was one hail. Mm-hmm. But there were, there you could see the thunder and lightning in the distance pretty much every day. Okay. It's the lightning. That I'm not a fan of the lightning. Um, we, we had the... The cottonwood hike that we did where we were trying to summit Langley, we ended up not summiting because it was a, a, a storm like that. It started hailing on us. It's thunder and lightning. So we had to run down the mountain. Um, and while we were trying to get to lower altitude, I saw lightning strike at a lower altitude than we were. And we were the only, we were at the highest point thing at that point. We were in the middle of nowhere. It was just rocks. And not big ones. Couple carrots. And so after that, I was just like, I don't do lightning storms anymore. We will wait this out. I'm sure there are people in our group that were getting very annoyed at me because I was like, I'm not doing the summit right now. It's going to have to clear up. <laughs> we're just going to hike into the night. So <laughs> wasn't messing around with lightning anymore. <laughs> you were the voice of safety. I was, <laughs> yes. It's the thunderstorm. I don't know, safety person. (laughs) What has been each of your toughest moments or most challenging moments on trail at this point? Oh, Forrester was actually my hardest, I want to say. But physically or emotionally? or That one was both for me. Anything? You you pick it, yeah. So physically, probably Forrester, right? Physical and emotional. I I wasn't sure I was going to make it. And I just kept thinking, like, how far back I had to go. I know I had that panic attack in the desert. I got so sweaty at some point in the desert that I could not make a decision for the life of me. And that turned into a panic attack because I really just needed to get into town and do a shower. I was sleeping in a zero degree bag. And so it was just I was slimy and sweaty during the day and I was slimy and sweaty during the night. And we got to this point and I just 
lost my, I just lost it. I, I don't know what happened really, but I had a panic attack then, but I almost feel like, I feel like the Forrester and that day were two different really hards for me because I didn't have a panic attack on Forrester, but I definitely was completely, that was, Forrester was the hardest thing I've ever done. And it really shouldn't have been because it was only two and a half miles, but my body just would not go. So there's like this whole, there's a lot of things going on in my head. I was the oldest one on the trip. So there's a lot of like mortality things like my body can't do it anymore. And <laughs> and I know that that's not the case, but when your body isn't doing the thing you're telling it to do, it's definitely feels like the case. So I, I think Forrester was hard physically and mentally for me. Yeah. What did that teach you about yourself? I mean, I know that I can do the thing, right? No matter, like, if as long as I give myself enough time, I could do it. But I was really, really scared of getting, like, cerebral edema or something like that, because that just comes along and then you die, apparently. Um, I shouldn't have researched that. <laughs> I was worried, like, if I did keep pushing too hard, like, what happens? Um, I, I learned that I could do the thing no matter how much I hate it, but... Um, I don't really want to do that thing again. <laughs> I think Forrester was hard for you because your fear was fueled by a past experience of having issues with altitude. Yeah. Your lips turned blue. I was scared of getting sick. Out. Every two minutes I was like, are my lips blue on Forrester? Because my lips turned blue when I'm I did lightly. get sick before. Yeah. It, it had to do with that. I'm also scared of heights. That didn't help. It also looks like the whole thing's going to fall apart anytime. Oh, and then you pass by a memorial monument for this guy that died while they were building it. And I was like, great. You know, that's really helpful. Help. <laughs> it was the perfect recipe. It was, yeah, it was just kind of everything all at once. But I didn't have a panic attack, which is surprising. Yeah, and you made it through. So you're pretty strong. You just took three and a half hours. Three hours, three hours. I kept telling other people on trail it took three hours and they all looked at me like there's something wrong with me. <laughs> well, I guess maybe that's the, that's the takeaway from it is the patience with yourself or for yourself. I guess it should be. Yeah. yeah. I just kept scooting my feet along. I felt like I was 80 years old with a walker. My feet would <laughs> not move any fit faster than a shuffle. I was just using my poles and. Uh, taking drinks of water every two minutes. I brought like an oxygen can. I think that that actually helps. Yeah, that's something that was um, kind of a luxury item. I think that yeah. I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, I guess we got that like was, oxygen in a can. I've never yeah. seen it before. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I could see how that would help though, because that's, I mean, that's like going up on Everest essentially. You're you're bringing mm -hmm. that that oxygen with you because there's not sufficient at at elevation. Yeah. It's an extra lifeline and something that's stable. Yeah. 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 Even if it didn't actually physically work for me, I think like it gave me that placebo at bare minimum. And I think that that helped me get over it. We're, so I take it you were using it as you hiked. Yeah. I was like, anytime I felt like I couldn't breathe, I would just use that and inhale some oxygen. I, I think it did work, but you know, who knows? <laughs> what about you, Max? Um, so, uh, let's see. Okay. When I was younger, I actually hiked like first 200 miles of the PCT, um, from Campo to Idlewild. But in the process, one, I was not prepared, but two, I was detoxing. Um, I had some issues with alcohol and I hadn't had alcohol since I started the trail. 
Um, so I think that would be my worst like physical and mental struggle ever, but also on trail. Yeah, they, they went. They didn't have a water filter in the desert, and they were detoxing. I'm so glad I wasn't there. <laughs> You're my line of reason. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so was it just happenstance that you were detoxing at the same time that you happened to be on trail, or was was there a an A leads to B leads to C type of scenario? It was intentional. Um, I had, I had read a couple stories. Um, I don't think I had seen wild prior to this, but I had read stories of people hiking the trail, like trying to find a new reason for life and like trying to figure out what their purpose was. Um, and so one day just out of nowhere, I was like, well, I like backpacking and I've done it once or twice before. So I'll give it a shot because that's how a lot of people portray. Preface this with the fact that they were in Louisiana at the time and had never been at a higher altitude than Dallas, Texas. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I just packed my stuff and I flew um, to San Diego and then tried to use the trail as a reason to detox. Um, It ended up not working. I mean, it worked for the time that I was on trail, but when I got back to town, I still had the same mental health issues and problems that I needed to work through that I didn't on trail because I was in so much pain. So I just ended up relapsing, but I I think it's hard enough detoxing in a day-to-day life, but throw in like trail life and how rugged it can be. And it's a completely different experience. I think that's really important though to mention because a lot of people view these long hikes as these eye-opening life-changing experiences. And I'm not, taking that away from anybody because I do believe that that can happen. But I also don't think that they're always the answer. Um, I don't think that the trails change your life completely for everyone. But we also haven't done an extended like through hike. We're just kind of distance hiking. Yeah. So maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe we don't have that perspective. Yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to find enlightenment on the trail. <laughs> <laughs> Personally. <laughs> but I think that, that realistically, I think that the trail provides an opportunity. Yes. But it still requires you to do the work. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, and, and whatever form that is, whether that's, you know, thinking through, sifting through, coming to acceptance of working through, you know, whatever it is. I know those are all synonyms for the same things or metaphors for the same things, but, but you have to do the work. You have to process whatever it is that you are running from or avoiding or, um, you know, in order to actually make a change. Yeah. yeah. Nothing's handed to you. Yeah. No. Yeah. If anything, it's harder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would love to do a longer hike and have something like that. I mean, hiking changed me in a sense that like it gives me so much more in my day to day life. Like it gives me something to hope for. And I love all those experiences we've had. It's much better than seeing just the photos online for me. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to share stories like that where yeah. it didn't work that time. <laughs> <laughs> or it feels like if you had been able to be on trail longer, so you could have gotten through the detox period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it would have worked out and I would have learned some things. I was I was young and ignorant and I felt like I had done all my research, but you're kind of cocky when you're 17. So like what 
what you don't know you find out on trail or they went with an external frame backpack from the 70s yeah i had a school <laughs> gen sport um external frame like 60 liter or something crazy and i'm the one that talked them into getting lighter gear yeah i was like hey we're tiny why let's make ourselves suffer try this let's get lighter gear I was like, you know oh, i already have all the gear it's fine also weighs like 60 pounds but whatever <laughs> like, fine i'll get the lighter gear <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm seeing masculine and feminine things playing out right now in front of my eyes. <laughs> Very stubborn. I've yeah. always been stubborn. <laughs> yeah. Max has to do the research first and it has to like develop. Whereas I had done the research and I'm like, listen, I'm right. I'm also a Capricorn and Capricorns are very stubborn. Yeah. So <laughs> loyal, but also stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> Noted. Or note to self, maybe. Um <laughs> Is there anything that we haven't talked about that we should? What about that night last summer in the cabin? Oh, let me hear about the weirdest experience we've had. Oh, bring it. <laughs> um, so we had stopped. I, I wish I could remember. McCarthy's cat. MacGyver's? MacGyver's? Something. It's like MacGyver's cat. I don't remember. But there's a cabin in the Mojave somewhere before. No, before Lake Isabella. Okay. And. It's off the PCT, but there's supposed to be a really good water source there. And so we went down there. That's where I had my panic attack, actually. And we were the first ones there. We got there really early. It's this perfect little water source, this really creepy, weird cabin. And, like, you go through the cabin, and you could tell that it's not just backpackers that use this cabin. There's, like... It used to be there for, for hunting purposes. So there's, like, old like jars. Gun with shells it. everywhere. Yeah. Or bullet shells, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so we were like, we'll just stay here. So we picked a spot like all the way as far back as we could from the cabin. And as the night went on, other campers kind of like shuffled in and then they, you know, filled up the area. So and we then, had like maybe 20 people there. Yeah. A few people even stayed in the cabin, which I wouldn't suggest. Um, seems really ratty in there, but whatever. <clears throat> so we were sleeping at that point. I had to take sleeping medication because my um, antibiotics had given me such bad um, skin ex- uh, sun exposure on my hands that when I would sleep, it would feel like needles were digging into my hands. So I took uh, sleep medication to help me sleep. Those were the antibiotics from the cat bite. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then at some point, I woke up and I said, oh, my God, are the cops here? Because all I saw were flashing lights. Red and blue flashing lights. And my uh, let's... Like, take a step back here. We're in the middle of the desert, right? There's a bunch of brush and old trees, nothing, like, crazy big. But there was no a... roads. No, we walked a road on the way. It was a dirt road. Nothing, like, paved or you would just think that, like, maybe an old Forest Service truck had gone through there a couple times. But I remember thinking when we were walking the dirt road, wow, this is really set up for off-roading. Um, there's just like a lot of berms and a lot of, you know, it wasn't like a flat road. Well, I unzip the tent and I look out of the tent and I don't know, like eight, I don't really know what they're called. Doom buggies, um, like four wheeling vehicles. Okay. Um, yeah. Like they, four to six passenger. Vehicles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, they definitely like loaded these things up. They all just come flooding into this area. Our and campsite. <laughs> there's people's cowboy camping on the ground all yeah. over the place. 
There's and one guy set up in a hammock. Yeah, and these guys just pull in in their cars. With Going these... super fast. We hadn't seen people or society for, like, at least a week. And yeah. They're, you know, had all these, like, bright LED lights to light everything up. And um, they like were all playing. lights that are just, like, blowing in the wind back and forth. Like, it was crazy. Yeah, and they were all playing really loud music. So, we're I don't know. I got kind of freaked out. So there's just all of a sudden there's like 50 dudes there. They're all drinking. They're, yeah, they're all drunk. It's in the middle of the night. It was, I think it was like 10 o'clock at night. On a Saturday. And so we kind of are just watching from all the way in the back, um, seeing what's going on. And then we hear one of or a few of them go into the cabin and we hear them ask the people sleeping in the cabin. Oh, dude, do you have any acid? And the campers were like, no, we don't. We're hiking in the desert right now. We don't have any acid, you know. Um, so they come out of the, the cabin, and one of the girls ends up sleeping near us. She's like, do you mind if I camp here? I feel safer than being over there. And we were like, yes, of course. And then at some point, 20 minutes in, they just realize that the whole area is filled with campers. So they start shining their flashlights around going, oh, man, like, Look, there's, there's people another. here, you know, and, like, there's campers here. And they almost hit the guy in the hammock. Yeah. Um, they could have run anyone over. It was it was really crazy. And so they ended up staying and partying. Turned up the radios. They all had them, like, insane. All these guys are just, like, drinking and their lights are going crazy. And they're, like, looking for acid and just, like singing along drunk to this music but we're all clearly sleeping yeah you know and so eventually one of the girls she's from new york but i can't remember her trauma yeah in a very new york accent was just like hey with some obscenities i don't know if there's cussing on this podcast uh we're all trying to sleep here can you at least turn the music off you know and so they're like oh okay and they turn the music off and then they kind of get like a little less rowdy and then they all drove off i'd say it took like an hour. Was an hour. Yeah. yeah. It was the craziest. Thing. It was so wild. And then they were gone and we were just all like, what everyone clapped. Everyone yeah. clapped. They left. We were all like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, it was so strange. It was wild. But there's people that they night hike on that road. They just. So it's not as hot. Yeah. So, oh man, I can't imagine. It was really, it was, it was weird. <laughs> a bad accident waiting to happen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It feels a little bit like, uh, almost like Close Encounters, where like these things just sort of fall out of space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, are those police officers or are they aliens? Who knows? You know? <laughs> and I was all drugged up from my sleeping pills that I ended up putting earplugs in and falling asleep before they ever left. And I can't sleep through anything. So I was, I was really out of it. <laughs> I was just like, wake me up if they come close to the tent. And I just like went back to sleep. <laughs> So it actually might have been a beneficial thing. Yeah, yeah. Those pills. Yes, yes. It was definitely useful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say that was the weirdest night we had. I thought I saw a UFO once on trail, but that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) It was debunked. Yeah, it was just a star. (laughs) It's a really bright one, so... Where can people find you uh, if they want to follow you or they have questions or any of that? Uh, we use our Instagram page the most. Uh, we're non-binary nomads. And then we also have a YouTube channel um, also called non-binary nomads. We haven't been putting much out there, though. We kind of just don't want to take up a lot of space with 
BLM movements. We're just two white people out here. I don't think a lot of people need to hear us talk right now um, on those platforms. So we kind of have been quiet there, but we're going to get back to YouTube eventually and start putting out more videos. Yeah, that's right. At least right now, it's probably going to be better if somebody has specific questions to just like DM you or something like that. Yes. Yes. Instagram is our favorite. Uh Instagram is our friend. Yes. (laughs) What has been each of, actually, let me, let me change that question. Thinking about the trail now that you are off the trail, what has been each of your favorite moments from those trail, from the different hikes that you've done or what has been a few of the favorite moments that you've had while out there hiking? There's so many. <laughs> um, I think my favorite from our last trip would be we got to Thousand Island Lakes after hiking the one of the hottest part, I think the hottest part of the Sierras. Yeah, um, we opted to do the PCT instead of the JMT. And in hindsight, I, I, I a little regret it because the JMT route had a lot of lakes and right. the PCT was just up a dry, dry. ridge. Yeah. But we got to Thousand Island Lakes and we found this awesome campsite. Um, there were a ton of people there. I think a lot of people do like overnight hikes over there. Um, so it was kind of late. The sun was setting and we found this campsite kind of up a little ways in the kind of on like a little ridge and you could oversee one of the big lakes. Um, we both had an opportunity to go in and it was um, super warm. The water was perfect. We got to watch the sunset and it was yeah. kind of just like, the decompressing moment of the trip where we're like, wow, we've done a lot of miles and this has been fantastic. Yeah, that was my favorite lake this year. That was one of my favorite parts. My favorite parts? You know, ironically, I really liked our very first trip. Um, The day that we didn't have food, we we ran out of food on our third day on our very first trip together. We were hiking the Skyline to Sea Trail. We had planned things around this general store that's usually open, but it turned out uh, it closed the night, like an hour before we got there. And then, so the third day we didn't have anything but trail mix. I mean, we were completely no food for an entire 15 mile hike. And then in addition, we had to get both of our cars before a gate closed. And that was like a two hour drive. And, but um, I really liked that (laughs) because it, that was, we had just, started backpacking together we were still really early in our relationship and i think that that was a really stressful thing to go through and we did it really well together yeah so yeah i mean there's so many moments on all of the trails that i've enjoyed so much but i think that that one really like set a precedent for like the rest of our hikes that we've had because that was the point where i realized that no matter how bad things get and like, no matter how ugly, like one of us gets, you know, with the situation, we can work with each other and, and uh, make something happen. So I guess that time that I proposed to you on trail. Yeah. Um, when Max proposed to me, I said I was going to throw up. <laughs> um, it was, it was a good time. Yeah. I just, uh, that's real commitment, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah, that was another good time. <laughs> yeah, it was that one. So we were hiking the top of Rim Trail. We were doing a section of it. And um, the first day had this like magnificent views. I had done a bunch of research and I was looking into it to find like the perfect spot. And I, you know, convinced my anxiety that I could talk to a person and ask them to take a picture of us on the edge. And then I would surprise Jay and 
pop the question and then the person would take pictures of it. So it'd be amazing. And, you know, we tell everybody and show everybody all these beautiful views. Well, the first day happened and it was the strongest winds in Tahoe that they had had all summer. Yeah, it was like 20 mile per hour winds. You couldn't hear each other speak. You couldn't go look on the edge of the cliff because you felt like you were going to fall off. I was having a great time. I'm deaf in one ear and having wind in the other ear made it even worse. It was terrible. And Max is never grumpy so on trail. Grumpy. It was Max one is, of the grumpiest days. Yeah, I was like, "Are you okay? Like, you're being really grumpy, and this so really bad. isn't like that bad." And then the next day, we were hiking, and we had this water source to go to, and we hiked like five miles without water because sometimes we do that. <laughs> and we got to this lake, and it was supposed to be a pretty lake, but not as pretty as the other ones. And we were sitting down on a log, and somehow. It just came up when we were talking about, like, oh, like, hypothetically, would you marry me? And Jay was like, yeah, like, I told you that already. Like, I told you that, like, maybe hypothetically I'd marry you. And then I, like, pulled out the rings and was like, no, like, will you marry me? And Jay goes, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> uh, and then after I said yes, I said. I had to clarify. I was like, so is that. I said, yes, I think or? I'm going to throw up twice. And then I said yes. Yeah. But after I said yes, I said. Is this why you were so grumpy yesterday? <laughs> they were like, yes, I meant to ask yesterday, so. <laughs> All the plants up in smoke. Just <laughs> gone, just like that. It's hilarious. <laughs> Is that the same trip where you, like, fell and I thought you lost a tooth? Yeah. <laughs> Again, we were hustling to find water because we didn't, the water sources weren't working like we thought they were or something. It was just really out. dry. We were just hustling and we're going down this little hill and I tripped and just face planted into the ground, like full out, sprawl out. My hands were out, my legs were out and my pack was just crushing me. And when I got up, I had dirt all over my face and it looked like I had a tooth missing. Yeah, yeah. it was just, just dirt. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, and then we found water right after that, so. <laughs> we came. <laughs> Good time. And I'm, I'm going to assume that this is this is in the heavy pack days. Oh, yeah, yeah that was yeah. when we had, I had my uh, 65 liter. Yeah. Now I have, like, a 35 liter. So, and you have, like, a, um, it's really big. It's, like, a Gregory something. Kelty. Kelty, that's right. It was good times. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> no, I'm I'm excited to get out there. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you're gonna do the whole thing? Yes. Ideally. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The Sierras are beautiful. I've heard that. I've heard that they're freaking amazing. Yeah. But the cold water, the cold streams uh. freak me out a little bit. I guess uh, some people have been wearing, like, neoprene socks whenever they're going through. Yeah. Um, I would say, so when we did it, you know, we used our um, trail runners. Our trail runners um, and normally, you know, your shoes dry out quickly. But for us, they didn't. And, I mean, for you, you're going to be doing it even earlier in the season. Right. So I, I'm not somebody that normally packs sandals, but I would almost pack sandals just for the yeah. river crossings to keep at least your shoes a little drier. Yeah. But that was just, that's just my sensitive key. No. And I, I think that you have a valid point there because earlier in the season, getting wet feet when it's still pretty high snow and cold like that, I've seen those pictures of those feet and I don't want them. 
No. <laughs> Yeah, having a few luxury socks isn't so bad in that no, situation. Worth it. Yeah, I know. Lux- luxury items are a relative thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I, I I hike with a pillow. I can't sleep without one, so. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I feel I. it was funny, Jay, you, you talking about being 37 uh, because I turned 50 this year, which was the reason for, for doing it, uh, this year particularly. And I, it's funny, but I have like those same concerns, you know, of can I do it? How yeah. much should I push myself? Where am I being a little crazy? <laughs> yeah. The, the track recommended, um, making a list of like reasons why, why you're doing it and like, um, writing everything out on paper so that when you're like in a hard moment, um, you can look back and be like, Oh, I'm doing it because of this. And like, maybe I'm being too hard on myself right now. And like, let me think about this instead. And that, I wrote it down on my phone and that kind of helped me a little bit in some of the hard moments of this year. But also I would keep in mind that, uh, I saw so many people out there that were like, there's that pack of dudes that were in their seventies. Yeah. They were celebrating some guys 76 birthdays. Yeah. So just, you know, do long, slow days. I'm sure you'll, you'll do great. The mortality is always so scary. And I think like, I know I'm not, I'm not like old necessarily, but like, I don't know, my body, I'm almost 40 and my body's telling me that. So (laughs) it's, it's, uh, it's a new challenge. <laughs> and every year it gets newer. Yeah, it does. <laughs> what a concept. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally, A, hear you, and I, but I totally agree with you, you know, in terms of making the list and also making the list of your fears and trying to, I guess, pre-problem solve. Yeah. Sort of, you know, so that you have an idea of what, what a plan could be if the scenario happens or if the situation happens. Yeah. But it is funny to me how, like going to Jay's point, how I think the, the biggest problem is that in my head, I'm still 30, 35 and I can do all of this shit and yeah. rebound the next day and all of this stuff. Yeah. And yet I'm not. <laughs> and my yeah. body knows that. Yeah. Yeah. I treat myself like I'm 26 still. And yeah, it's just, it's really strange because like, I don't feel like I'm almost 40, but my birth certificate says that I'm almost 40. (laughs) I guess I can't talk. Yeah. I'm only 26. (laughs) Yeah. I think at one point I even said, Max said, we got mad at each other for a second because Max had accused me of being in my head too much. And I said, I think, I'm significantly older than everybody on the ship <laughs> and I'm having a hard time right now. And I don't think that has anything to do with my mental space. <laughs> so yeah, that <laughs> don't hike with people like significantly younger than you. It doesn't feel good. <laughs> well, and I think that that is so many of the people that I talked to, one of the, the struggles, particularly if you're hiking with other people and it sounded like you guys hiked, pretty much together. Mm-hmm. Meaning you didn't just agree to meet someplace at the end of the day or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but when you're hiking with a group, even with just a partner, but particularly when you're hiking with a group of people, you, 
you either get pressured into or you put pressure on yourself to keep up or to slow down, like whatever the scenario is that makes it frustrating. Right. And and you start beating up on yourself, you know, in terms of that. Yeah. I think that's why it was so beneficial to have that 16-mile rule for our group. Yeah, I think for me, I'm more in, like, the moment. Like, the miles will happen, but for me, like, right now, if it sucks, it's really bad. I actually brought headphones, um, and I only used them once, but it was when we were coming over Kearsarge. Um, because Max and um, Sam had just taken off on this pass, and... There was just no stopping in sight, and I was all the way in the back, and it was just kind of like a real morality, like, dump. (laughs) It just didn't feel great because they were just killing it, and I just, it just wasn't happening for me, and that's how it was feeling like the whole trip for me, but um, bringing headphones for even just a little bit, like, I I fully believe in, like, being with your own thoughts and, like, being in nature and, like, in, like, sitting with those feelings but I just got to a point where a little distraction was something I absolutely needed. So I just, I pre-downloaded some podcasts and I listened to, you know, a podcast on Buddhism, which how appropriate for while I was suffering going up a hill. So <laughs> that one really helped me. Um, and even my, the, um, Sam's wife, Eva, she was also having a hard time that day. She said that in hindsight, she probably would have brought headphones too for a moment like that. So. Sometimes that helps. That's Voldemort, our cat. Voldemort, didn't Voldemort go hiking or something? Or Yeah, she goes backpacking with us, or hiking with us sometimes. We have a little backpack for her. She's a weird cat. <laughs> <laughs> that is a little odd. I'll give you that. <laughs> she, uh, when we found her, she got hit by a car, um, so we think she has some brain damage. Um, she's fine now. But, but she's a little off. She like willingly like walks through this puddle on our last hike uh, just so that she could hang out in this bush. So she does some things that are kind of questionable for cats. She's actually she's in a cat body, but she's not actually a cat. You just didn't know that. You just don't know that. Right. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> And links for Max and Jay's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. A special thanks to Jay and Max for sharing their stories from the trails and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. I hope that this conversation inspires you to get out there and have a few hiker trash moments of your own. And on next week's episode, I'll be talking with Dara Blackwater, known on Instagram as Blackwater Soul. In this episode, we talk about her first through hike on the Colorado Trail and how it all went. We also talk about her relationship to the trails as a member of the Navajo Nation. I'll see you on the trail. Mm